Hey, and welcome to the very first episode of the Chrysostom Podcast. My name is Evan Zastar. Um, I am starting the Chrysostom Podcast. So I am a pastor at High Praises Church in South Carolina. Um, I love the church fathers very much, and my favorite church father is St. John Chrysostom. So this podcast is called the Chrysostom Podcast, well, because I love St. John Chrysostom. And so I want to explore the life and the teachings of the early church father named St. John Chrysostom. So here's what I want to do in this first episode. I just kind of want to lay out you know, who is St. John Chrysostom? What did he do? What was his life like? What were his works? What did he mainly focus on? And then I want to kind of give you the why. Why should we listen to Chrysostom? Why should we read him? What value is he going to add to our lives? So first, who is St. John Chrysostom? St. John Chrysostom is an early church father whose ministry was in the 4th century AD. He was a presbyter, which is really just another word for pastor, in the city of Antioch, and he was the bishop of the city of Constantinople. And bishop just basically means the head pastor over a city, the lead uh, pastor of the entire city. Uh, John was born into a Christian family probably around 349 AD. His father was a Roman soldier and he died when John was young. So John was raised primarily by his mother who remained single for the rest of her life. Uh, He received an excellent classic Greek education and he was known as a wonderful, like incredible orator. He was actually taught rhetoric by Libanius who was widely regarded as the best teacher of rhetoric at, at the time and especially in the city of Antioch. Now I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I know that it's kind of it's been said that um, Libanius said something to this effect that John would have been his replacement if the Christians hadn't taken him from him. So Libanius was kind of upset because he knew that St. John had a specific gift for preaching and for oration and for rhetoric. And Libanius knew that he was awesome, that he could have replaced him, but the Christians took him from him so he would not be taken over his school in Antioch. Um, John was baptized at 18 years old, and then he spent the next six years of his life as a hermit. He actually spent two of those years in extreme fasting, which did lasting damage to his bodies, I think especially to his kidneys, which kind of hurt him later on in his life. Um, During this time, he basically memorized the whole Bible, which is actually kind of nuts. So he just spent six years kind of off in a cave somewhere, really fasting, memorizing the Bible, growing in the scriptures, um, which really set him up to be the great preacher and, and Bible teacher that he was for the remainder of his life. In 386, John was ordained a priest, which once again is just another word for pastor. Priest is actually the English shortened word for the Greek word presbyter. So he's ordained a priest or a pastor by the bishop Flavian. He spent the next 11 years preaching regularly in Antioch in the city's main church, and that's where he got his reputation as an amazing, amazing preacher. Then in 397, he was chosen to become the bishop of Constantinople, which is the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. John didn't actually want to go to Constantinople. I mean, you've got to think he had spent his entire life in Antioch at this point. Uh, this is where he grew up. Uh, the, you know, This is where his mother raised him. 
but he was essentially, now this is crazy, essentially kidnapped and forced to become the bishop of Constantinople. So he became the bishop, the head pastor over the, the great city of Constantinople, and that's where he remained uh, for the rest of his ministry. Um, while he's in Constantinople especially, he preached against the moral laxity of the people of the city, especially the, the lavishness of the people, the lavishness of the bishops and the clergy that were already in that city, and then the very leaders of the city. Um, um, and eventually, John's straightforward preacher uh, preaching kind of got to him. And John's enemies, because he made some enemies, not only with the leadership of the city or just the people, but even the bishops and the clergy there, uh, they, they got to him. And so John's enemies convinced the Empress Eudoxia that John's preaching, especially against you know lavishness and money and all that other stuff, um, was actually directed towards her, and she had him exiled. So on September 14th, 407 AD, while traveling on foot to, to I'm going to butcher this, Pityus, um, which is the present-day Abkhazian region of the country of Georgia, John died. He died in Comana Pontica, which is a city that is now in ruins. It was a century later that St. John was given the name Chrysostom. So in Greek, Chrysostom means golden mouth. And so he was given the title golden mouth because he was such a good preacher. And his sermons were so highly regarded even a hundred years after his death, just in writing, that they nicknamed him golden mouth. So it's on this podcast that we are studying the golden mouth preacher. That's why if you've noticed uh, the, the logo, I wanted to have a cool background, but something that would allow us to write out Chrysostom in golden letters because he is the golden mouth preacher. Chrysostom is a canonized saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, many Anglican churches, and the Lutheran churches, among many other churches that do canonize saints. Chrysostom is considered among one of the three holy hierarchs in the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Byzantine Catholic Church. John Chrysostom has also been dubbed a doctor of the Roman Catholic Church, which is a title given to those who've made significant theological contributions through their works. So St. John is highly, highly regarded as a pastor, as a preacher, and, and as a writer, even though he didn't write very much. It was more that his preaching was written down, but still. But with that being said, if he's so highly regarded and he's considered a doctor of the Roman Catholic Church, what kind of works did St. John produce? What is he really known for? Well, he has written some individual works, uh, you know, some more topical works, theological works. We've got some correspondences between him and other people uh, that, that kind of give us a more personal insight on who he is. These include works like On the Priesthood, Letters to Olympias, Instructions to the Catechumens, and an Exhortation to Theodore after his fall. Those are the names of some individual works that are very, very good and very highly regarded, especially his letters to Olympias and on the priesthood. Those are held in very high regard. But St. John is most widely known for his incredible sermons. He was an expository preacher who worked his way through entire books of the Bible rather than simply preaching topically or just kind of picking one verse here and there. He preached his way through entire books. Uh, it's clear that he loved the Word of God. He basically memorized it. 
John preached through the books of Genesis, Isaiah, and the Psalms, Matthew, John, and the Pauline epistles. Today we have 76 sermons on Genesis, uh, 58 sermons on selected Psalms, a complete series on Isaiah, though it only exists in an Armenian translation. I would love an English translation of that. And isolated sermons on Hannah, David, and Saul, and Elijah. And then from the New Testament, we have 99 sermons on Matthew and 88 sermons on John. There's 55 sermons on the Acts of the Apostles, which is the only commentary on that book to have survived from ancient times, which is pretty incredible. And then there's a collection of 244 sermons total on the Pauline epistles, and that includes the book of Hebrews, because John and many of the ancient fathers, the early church fathers, believe that Paul was the author of Hebrews, though most modern scholars don't think that Paul offered authored the book of Hebrews. So believe what you want to believe, regardless, we know it's scripture, and he believed that it was the Apostle Paul. So in all, John has left us about 600 sermons on specific biblical texts, and these include actually about 18,000 references or clear allusions to other parts of scripture as well. So John has left us a lot, a lot of writing. So that's who John is. That's the type of works that he's produced. We know that he's mainly known for his sermons. But here we get to the point of this. Why should we care about John Chrysostom today? Why am I making this podcast? What, what, why should you even continue listening about this random church father that maybe you haven't even heard of before? Well, uh, there's a number of reasons, a number of reasons. So as we've seen, Chrysostom has a lot of writings, like a ton. So just practically, as someone who's starting a podcast, if you're going to do a podcast on a single person, you better hope that person has a lot of writings or you're not going to be able to do your podcast very long. So obviously I wanted to do uh, Chrysostom and I felt like I could because he has so many sermons, so many writings that he's really probably only dwarfed by St. Augustine in how many writings he has left. And, and so that'll help us keep that up. But let's look at it a different way. Um, writings that have been preserved as long as John's have have been preserved for a reason. They're so good, they're worth preserving. This means people went to great lengths to copy them, to write them down, to keep them safe, to make sure that they didn't age beyond being able to read. The, the, the fact that they've lasted this long and we have so many works of his proves and shows that these works are worth reading and studying and benefiting from. Number two, Ancient pastors and you know early church fathers, as I'll refer to them, uh, don't have the same modern blind spots as we do when it comes to reading the scriptures. See, John Chrysostom is pre-denominational. He wasn't a part of a denomination. He didn't align with the denomination. He doesn't interpret everything in light of mo modern Roman Catholic doctrine or in Protestant terms. He's not asking the same questions as us. John Chrysostom doesn't know who Luther is. He didn't you know, go through the time where the five solas were presented at the Reformation. He didn't study the Council of Trent at the kind of counter-Reformation within the Roman Catholic Church. He doesn't know anything of modern Eastern Orthodoxy and the developments of that day. He's just a Christian, 
in the Catholic Church, the small c Catholic, the universal church. And he's got an ancient mind. He hasn't gone through all the developments that we have. He's not thinking in terms of the enlightenment and rationality. John's not having defend, to defend himself against atheism and, and modern humanism and secularism. He's just thinking differently. And so when we study St. John and the rest of the early church fathers, we're actually able to get a perspective that we don't really get today as modern people. And so you could listen to a whole series of sermons on the book of Romans from a modern preacher, and it's probably edifying and amazing. But as you read St. John's works, you're not going to feel like you're getting things regurgitated. You're going to feel like you're reading something new. And so that's why we want to look at his writings today, because they feel new and they give us a different perspective that we just can't see in our own. John Chrysostom, as well as most patristic writers, also see the Bible as a whole unit, meaning that a sermon on the New Testament will probably contain a ton of references to the rest of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. That the early church fathers really saw the, the main author of the scriptures as the, the Holy Spirit. That there is this unity within the scriptures. And so there's not kind of this big divide between Old Testament and New Testament and law and gospel and all of these different things. That Chrysostom is able to just see the Bible as one big unit and he brings it all together. And so as we read Chrysostom, it actually trains us and teaches us how to see the Bible not as these sort of unconnected individual books or not even as kind of these unconnected Old Testament and New Testament, but as one grand story of God saving and redeeming humanity. And we get to read the Bible as one literary unit. And then as we walk away from John's sermons and read the Bible on our own, that teaches us to read it better. And so we need to read Chrysostom and the other patristic writers. John Chrysostom is a great introduction to patristic theology. So when I say patristics, I mean the early church fathers. That's what that word means. And he's an amazing introduction to patristic writing and theology. And here's why. John comes from the Antiochian school of interpretation. We talked about earlier, he's actually from Antioch. And that favors a little bit more of a literal interpretation of the scriptures in which it values uh, authorial intent strictly and um, kind of the more literal reading of what's going on as opposed to the Alexandrian school of interpretation, which is a little bit more allegorical or spiritual. Now, I want to make something clear. This doesn't mean that I'm saying that allegorical interpretation is bad, but that modern readers typically aren't accustomed to it. So when I say allegorical interpretation, I don't mean that the church fathers just made the scriptures mean what they want them to mean, but they just saw a greater spiritual depth than maybe what was on the surface, and they really read everything Christologically, which means they were always looking for Christ, always looking for Jesus in the Old and the New Testament. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but Christostom takes a little bit more of a literal approach and, and doesn't kind of overreach or what we may think is overreaching in the scriptures as modern readers. So it's a little bit easier to get accustomed to Christostom than maybe somebody like Origen or Gregory of Nyssa. Uh, Christostom's great too, simply because he's easy to read. 
As you read the other church fathers, they're oftentimes defending orthodoxy against heresies, and they're interacting with really complex ancient philosophies. And so when we approach those writings, sometimes we go in without the proper context, and we don't really know what's going on. And it's difficult to work out. And the Church Fathers, too, helped establish some really key and important doctrines, primarily Trinitarian doctrine and Christological doctrine. And these get deep. And so for someone who's just kind of starting out wanting to read the early Church Fathers, if you pick up a work like, say, St. Augustine's On the Trinity, you may be able to get some other things out of it, but it's going to be pretty deep. And so what Chrysostom is good for is that He's primarily a pastor, that we don't have these theological treatises from Chrysostom, but we have sermons preached to real people, trying to help them and, and, and pour into their lives and just simply preach the scriptures. And so it's one of those things where we can pick up Chrysostom, read a sermon or two here or there. It's not going to take us very long and we can understand it. And that's why he's a great introduction to patristic writing in theology. Chrysostom is still relevant to us today. Like, I find myself more and more as I read his sermons, as I read his writings, that it's almost as if he knows what's going on in America. Because honestly, there are, it's for sure not an exact correlation, but Antioch and Constantinople, there's for sure some similarities there with America today. And here's what I mean. There was no Christian persecution in the day, not in those areas. So it, it kind of died down at that point. And so there's not widespread persecution. In fact, under the emperor Theodosius, who Chrysostom had interaction with, um, th- that, excuse me, Christianity was actually made the official religion of the Roman Empire, which is kind of crazy. Um, there were significant groups of people in those cities with money. Now, it's not exactly like America, where compared to the rest of the world, everyone in America has a lot of money, but there was more rich people there, and there was some money going on. In those cities, people lived loosely and kind of morally relaxed lives. They would skip church to go to horse races. They went to the theater, which was extremely sexually perverse, a lot of nudity and sexual content there in person. And John just has a lot to say about these topics, money and holiness. And honestly, we should listen because this is us, is it not? Especially in American Christianity. There's a lot of people wanting to claim Jesus, but not really live for Jesus. There's a lot of people with money that don't want to be told what to do with their money. Um, and I don't mean in an intrusive way, but as far as giving, sowing into the kingdom, not worshiping money as an idol. And John has a lot to say about these things. Man, even people today, they skip church because they go to a college football game the night before and stay out too late or travel out of town or... You just name it. It's it's just so relaxed. It's so easy. And John spends so much of his ministry trying to call people out of uh, just easy Christianity. And he's trying to call them into truly following and obeying Christ. But finally, this is my last point why you should read and value Chrysostom. And this is the one that's most important to me. I believe that John Chrysostom is severely underappreciated, underread, and under-talked about. Seriously, 
I know that he's honored by major churches. He's a canonized saint in major churches, all of these things. But I don't feel like he's spoken enough today in the mainstream. I feel like churches and pastors and theologians and others with podcasts could really benefit from from speaking about Chrysostom and learning about what he has to say to us today. So why has he been underappreciated? Well, most likely it's because he wasn't really involved in any major heretical controversies or doctrinal foundations. Um, John didn't really contribute to our understanding of the Trinity. He didn't contribute to our understanding of who Jesus Christ is, how he is both God and man. He didn't shut down some early heresies and write some big major documents on it that we still reference today to understand orthodoxy. He was just a faithful Bible preacher. But because he didn't write those things, people probably don't value him as more as much. Because people who have established these foundational doctrines, um, they kind of still hang out with us and live with us today in those doctrines and in those understandings. And as more and more heresies pop up, we want to reference back to them to get a greater understanding. And look, that totally makes sense. Um, but because John didn't cr- contribute to that, we kind of forget about him. Um, his writings are mainly in sermons as opposed to topical and doctrinal works. So even if we're not talking about defending heresies, John didn't do something like, say, um, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, who wrote catechetical lectures, which is basically like a systematic theology, which is just picking out topics and explaining to them. So it's really difficult to just kind of Google and look up, what did John Chrysostom say about this or that topic? He's not like John Calvin, who wrote an Institutes of Christian Religion or, you know, whoever. It's just not as easy to, to synthesize and kind of just see what he said about X, Y, Z. We kind of have to do the hard work and just read his sermons and benefit how we get them and, and what he felt like he needed to deliver at the time. And finally, John's a writer for holiness. John's pretty strict. I mean, remember, this guy spent a lot of his life fasting and damaging himself. And as we're going to see as we read in the letters to Olympus, or Olympus, um, I think there's a sense in which he regrets that or realizes that it was probably too extreme as Olympus follows suit. Um, but uh, nevertheless, he was an extreme guy, and he had a he had a serious call for holiness. And I think in modern times, people can get turned off by this. It can almost come across as work base or like John's trying to get us to earn our holiness or unless we're perfect, God's not going to accept this. This is actually the furthest from from the truth from St. John, especially in his sermons to the Ephesians and really everywhere else. John makes it abundantly clear we have a sin nature. We're only saved by the grace of God that we can't work our way to salvation. And yet at the same time, John seriously calls us to holiness. And I think if we're not careful, we can place on John modern notions of earning your salvation that really weren't in his brain at the time, and that I think are a little bit unfair. So I think we need to be fair to St. John and see where we can learn from him and not impose later developments, especially things that we see in the Reformation area on St. John, because that's not what he's saying at all. So we've got a lot of good reasons to study St. John, but maybe you're asking this, who is this podcast for? I've kind of wrestled with this and thought about it, And in short, it's for everyone. 
I really mean that. It's for everyone. This podcast is going to be devotional, which means if you just want to grow in your relationship with God and be challenged, it's going to be devotional. And it's, you know, you're, we're studying sermons. But not only that, it's going to be theological. I think one of the false accusations uh, that John and, and other uh, uh, historical figures in the Christian movement like this can get is that they're not theological. In fact, they are theological. Their theology is just contained in pastorally focused sermons, not theology writings where they're simply expressing you know doctrines and whatnot. We're going to learn a lot about theology, and John really goes deep in these sermons. Um, we're going to learn about history. So if you're someone who's really interested in history and, and in learning about things you've never heard about before, and, and maybe you're interested in kind of the, the ancient Greek times, John is a historical figure. Some major things went on before, during, and after John's time. So we're going to learn about history. So I really believe that the everyday person is going to benefit from John's insight. I believe the pastor is going to learn about some preaching. I believe the theologian is going to learn about some ancient concepts. I really think this is a podcast that everybody can learn something from. And finally, what's going to be the format for the podcast? How's this thing going to work? Well, we're going to study John's topical writings. We're going to study John's sermons, which are probably the most important studies. We're going to study John's life. We're going to see what we can learn about the things that he did and the things that happened around him. And then here's something that I'm really, really interested in. I would love to host guests. Now, I don't want to make any promises, but I would love to bring some guests on here. Now, because this podcast is devoted to one singular figure, uh, it may be a little bit difficult to have every podcast 100% all about John Chrysostom, but every guest we have and every conversation we have, we, we will be focused on Chrysostom and then maybe expand to kind of the wider view of patristic theology in general. But either way, you're going to learn, you're going to grow, and I think it's going to be a great time. Now, one last word before we go, and then we're going to wrap this one up. Personally, my goal with this podcast is to make St. John applicable to your life but I also don't want to reinterpret him or censor him. So here's what I mean. I want to do my best to give you St. John himself and not my version of St. John. Because as we read his writings, we're going to counter, uh, encounter interpretations, opinions, doctrines, conclusions, advice, whatever else that you and I disagree on. And that's okay. I don't want to spend this podcast kind of filtering the things out that maybe uh, aren't good on modern ears or don't fit your particular doctrinal commitment or your denominational commitment. Feel free to disagree. Remember, St. John isn't an apostle. He's not writing scriptures. He's a pastor. And so there's going to be things we disagree with. But rather, rather than editing that out, I want to present it to you. But at the same time, I'm not just going to dispense information I want to talk about it and help it become applicable to our lives. Well, look, I really hope that you will subscribe. I really hope that you'll give us a rating. This actually helps us to expose the podcast to more people, especially within Apple Podcasts. And I really hope that you'll just stick with us on this journey. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from St. John. And I think that you're going to grow in Christ more than you think that you will, especially if you don't know who he is. And also, if I can encourage you to do anything, Google him. 
read some sermons, get prepared, all right? Every episode is going to come out every two weeks. I haven't decided the exact day that I'm going to begin uploading them, but from the first day that I upload them, whatever today is, uh, from two weeks from today, I'll upload the next one. So watch out for every two weeks so that you can get your next episode of the Chrysostom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining, and I will see you here next week.